Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Whoa, that's new. Richard, you absolute badass you. We got a new intro. Matt Connor is still gone. Josh Briscoe is joining us, but wow, I'm flattered right now. That was one of the coolest intros I have seen. Richard, shout out to you. This is the Arrowhead Addicts podcast, the Tuesday edition. Again, Matt Connor is gallivanting around Europe. Should be back for next Tuesday's show. A man who was just back from gallivanting around Europe is Josh Briscoe. Briscoe, how you doing, my man? I'm great. I had a great time gallivanting. The intro is absolutely choice. I'm honored to be here for that, that big reveal. And uh, I, I feel like between you and me and Richard in the comments, I, I think we might find a few things to talk about today. So I'm, I'm in a good mood. Just a couple things. I know Chiefs news, it's a little slow going on yeah. right now. Not a ton to talk about, but you and I were obviously at a very cool event. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scaling's charity event, Humble Beginnings. We were there kind of live calling the the softball game. Uh, we're going to get to some of that. We're going to talk about Chris Jones, his absence from mandatory minicamp, what that means. But before we go any farther, i got to give a shout out to Caesars Sportsbook. If you go to Caesars Sportsbook and use code AROWFUL, get your first bet on Caesars up to $1,250 on any Sport offer is only available for new customers who are 200 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, Caesars Sportsbook code Arrowful and first bet on Caesars up to 1250 bucks on any sport. You and me were built for a world where we don't need artificially enhanced disclaimers because that <laughs> was incredible. That Thank was great. You. Thank you. Yeah, I always laugh and we're doing sports talk radio. Briscoe also works for Sports Radio 810. He does the midday shows with Jason Anderson from 10 until 2. It's about the best time slot. Don't have to wake up too early and you still have the rest of your afternoon. Quite frankly, when you were gone, I was jealous because I filled in for Briscoe a couple of times. And I go, man, this is the life. Yeah, easy. Just everything about it. Just roll the ball out there and... You know, just try to make sure you're at work by, you know, nine-ish or so. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not bad. But I was going to do one of those ad reads for one of the betting sites. I forget if it was Caesars or BetMGM, whatever it was. It was probably Caesars because Caesars is the one that you're talking about here today. So let's say it was Caesars. Caesars is the GOAT. So we were, we were talking Caesars and I did the ad read and I was thinking I was going to do all the disclaimer. But no, or the producer hit the button with yeah. this sped up intelligence. I just looked back and I'm like, you took my thing. Yes, this is I my wanted hit. to say, <laughs> you know, all of the places you can call if you need some some assistance in the in the, the betting world. Yeah, it's the disclaimers are part of the challenge and part of the fun. If you're, you know, blessed or potentially cursed by uh, this sort of speed talking ability we seem to have. And uh, before we go any further, angry drunken German in the chat says first flat screen TV he ever saw was in this squat or the squatter in the squatter in the squatter. squatter, squatter. Squatter, uh, think about it. At Caesars Sportsbook. So shout out Caesars for having the first flat screen TV that angry drunken German saw. If you read the rest of the comment, you're going to figure out what a squatter is and also a nice little Damon Heward shout out. So I don't want you to bail on that comment too early. The Damon Heward led Chiefs were playing the Dolphins and I was watching from the throne. It was brilliant. That's great, man. Stu loves a good good euphemism for, for a potty. So I'm really surprised that squatter did not 
ring any bells for you? Mm-mm. No, I call it the pisser. That's kind of, you know, hit the head. Are we allowed to curse on this show? Uh, in a little bit. Well, you, you've already, that, yeah. you've already said, minutes. you've already said a couple of like, you know, PG words so far. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to recalibrate to what the, what the standard is here. Uh, by the way, if you're looking at what's going on behind me, it looks like I'm in a jail. No, my girlfriend is redoing my podcast studio. So I apologize with any bit of uh, echo. I'm sure there's probably a little bit more than normal, but it's getting redone. She's doing it for me. Uh, well, I'm on a golf trip, so I, I can't complain. I mean, having girlfriends are pretty cool. I wish you'd redesign your mustache, but I guess we can keep waiting for that. How dare you? Uh, all right, Chris Jones misses mandatory minicamp. We know why. He wants a new contract. This is no surprise to anyone. But what's your take on Chris Jones missing mandatory minicamp? It, he almost has to do it just as a guy who's looking for a new deal that has three days of very like light leverage here. It doesn't bother me or concern me at all. I thought it was kind of interesting that the Schefter tweet today included the little parenthetical of, of something along the lines of the Chiefs who are interested in giving Chris Jones a contract this offseason. <laughs> Everything so far, I think, has seemed very amicable and very like, hey, we're just we're working it out. We're going to we're going to get there by the time the season comes around. Hopefully, hopefully you can figure that out before training camp is in full swing. It doesn't make any sense for them to be at minicamp either from just like a what makes sense for you, the human being side of things. Because look, like the idea of him, you know, skipping a whole season for an extra couple million dollars per year in average annual value is a completely different conversation. But right now, what, what Chris Jones is looking for isn't necessarily just a raise. It's the long-term security that comes with a multi-year deal with a lot of guaranteed money. He shouldn't be out at, at mini camp right now because crazy stuff happens sometimes. And by the time training camp comes around, maybe that conversation's a little bit different. But I, I hope, and I don't want to say I believe because I'm I'm not sure I do, but I hope very much that by the time training camp arrives, Chris Jones is there day one with a big smile and a big Monopoly money kind of bag full of cash because it it seems like it should be as easy to get done as a a handshake at this point. There will be a lot of other factors, but it it seems like Chris Jones's camp has been pretty reasonable. And I I think the Chiefs have been um, level headed as well. I I don't think we're we're ramping up for Tyreek Hill 2.0 here. No, it doesn't feel like Saquon Barkley and the Giants. It doesn't feel like Stephon Diggs and the Bills, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later. Uh, Shelby Meyer says, didn't he miss things last time he was up for a contract too? And I believe he did miss as well. So he missed mini camp and then was back for training camp. That was the the setup there. I think he got another, this is when I need a fact checker as to when that deal got signed, but he, he did I, miss mini camp la, uh, the last contract time too. I, I wanted to say it was July 14th. It was around that time frame. It was a week or two into July. There's no time. Could have been, that would have been just before training camp, right? Cause it was Mahomes's deal, then Jones's deal. And then camp Correct. started, I think. Correct. So again, no reason to panic. I, I'm not worried. We know why Chris Jones is holding out. Again, it's not like the Bills and one side is saying, the Bills, where's Stephon Diggs? And then his agent saying, oh, no, he's there. And I you're can like, talk about this for an hour. <laughs> this, is the, this is the story today that has really taken my, uh, my, my imagination by storm. Who would have thought a team that struggles to win in the playoffs is already imploding? Shocking, Who would have thought a, a, a team that gave a what, $120 million contract to a 34-year-old edge rusher might have some issues? By the way, what, when did you say you thought Chris Jones signed his last deal? What what day? July 14th was what I thought. Yeah, it, it, July 14th. I just wanted to give you the credit for absolutely no scoping that because that's really impressive. Well, I have good memory on certain things, but don't ask my girlfriend because then I have the worst memory ever. I, I think of how it yeah. works. I, I, when it comes to sports and dates and, and random numbers, I'm really good. 
when it comes to actual useful knowledge of things, zero idea. Like zero idea when my cousin's wedding is and I just got off the phone with him. Cause yeah, I Yeah, or like just as a different example, um, like forgetting when my wedding was going to be several times after you had an invitation already. Like that kind of just for a random example. Just random, just completely out of nowhere. Just random, very random. Yeah, totally um, random. But but my opinion is Chris Jones, his camp is waiting for Quinn and Williams to get a deal done. I think, Quinn, I think Quinn and Williams is saying, hey, whoa, 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 let's wait for Chris Jones to get a deal done. The one thing I will say is I don't know if Chris Jones and the Jets or Quinn and Williams and the Jets have the same rapport that the Chiefs do with Chris Jones. That seems to be the, uh, the biggest difference maker. But in your estimation, is that the holdup here? I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't I don't think it I think it could be and I don't think it has to be. If that makes sense. Because I, I do think that the Chiefs could get a deal done with Chris Jones before Quinn and Williams's deal is done in New York. And it would just be somewhere in that. I want to be the second highest paid defense tackle in football that that Aaron Donald money is a, a little bit of thanks for being here money. And somebody I cannot remember who it was that that used the turn of phrase. It was someone on the zone. And um, I'm sure some, it could have I don't know. It could be anybody. But somebody essentially said that. That the Rams were paying the please don't retire tax for Aaron Donald as well. And I thought that was a really good line so much so that I couldn't remember who said it. But I, I thought that was a really good line where the, where the Chiefs are not necessarily at that place with Chris Jones. And this is I'm going to go I'm going to kind of spin this off into a way bigger thing that kind of frustrates me sometimes. But I, I think there's a little bit of truth to you on this case. When when fans talk about like taking the hometown discount or taking the pay cut or doing what you can, to, you know, to help the team and all of that. A lot of that, I, I really understand where it comes from, but you're also talking about guys who have really short careers, making great money by and large, but very short careers nonetheless. Juju Smith-Schuster is still a very young man, but but he has the knees of a much older one in a sport that does not allow you to have an old knees, right? So like Juju might want to get that extra couple million dollars because it's worth that's worth a little change of scenery for. Point being, I, I think more often than not, that that sort of um, discourse does a disservice to players. Yeah. But for for Patrick Mahomes and then some extension to, to Chris Jones and the rest of the Chiefs as well, taking a little less money to be on a perennial contender. And again, this is really more specifically for Mahomes, which you not asked about, but specifically for Mahomes, it, it makes sense for him to say, yeah, no, what is what is Travis Kelsey worth to Patrick Mahomes? This is a, a a false a false dichotomy here, I guess, to be like, hey, so if Patrick Mahomes could literally just take five million dollars out of his paycheck and just scoot it over to Travis Kelsey to get him to play for a year longer or to to stick around for one more instead of going for one last season in Detroit or something really depressing. I think he would do that. Not that he should have to, but it's the it's the cost of a salary cap sport. And for Patrick Mahomes, the legacy and the rings and then the endorsements that follow, like it makes business sense, not just good vibes, home team sense. Right. And, and so for Chris Jones, I, I think there's something a little bit similar there where he with the Chiefs and another Super Bowl ring will be a Hall of Famer. Adam Teicher of ESPN was was on the zone with us today. And he said, and I didn't expect this from Teicher because he's just kind of a prove it guy in a lot of ways, I think. Right. Teicher said if, if Chris Jones never played another down, he would vote for him as a Hall of Famer. And I think he's right. I think it's a good take. And I'm not surprised that Adam has good opinions. But I was like hearing it out loud from someone who's covered the team for a really long time was a little bit jarring to me. It was like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of interesting now that you say that. And I, I think he should be regardless. But if Chris Jones plays one more year with the Chiefs, they, you know, gasp, lose an AFC championship game. And then he kind of goes and, and toils making a little more money for teams that aren't having playoff success. I think people are going to forget about him when right now 
he is at the peak of his influence. Like people acknowledge now this off season, I think is the one where he has gotten the most shine nationally. So there, there's some value to that as well. Again, we're like 14 layers deep. Maybe it's just June seeping in, but I, I think the elements of that are, are pretty interesting. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know what, Stu? I'd love to know what you think. I think a deal gets done. I think his legacy is something that he wants to protect. I understand players, for the most part, always say, I want to be here. They want to spend their entire career with one team. Players say that because if they don't and they go somewhere else, they say, hey, I wanted to stay here. It was the team's fault, not mine. Some of it is good PR. But with Chris Jones, I think there's more to it. I do think there's a part of him that believes in what the Chiefs are doing. He understands how good the organization is, and he might not be treated the same way at every single organization, right? You hear how good from the top down, from the hunts down, how well run the Chiefs organization is. The best endorser of that that I have heard in years was Frank Clark this week. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very good point. And I understand where Chris Jones is coming from. He was actually valiantly trying to get Frank Clark to stay here. It didn't happen. He got a contract that I think, quite frankly, the Chiefs were not going to offer. I think the Chiefs were going to offer somewhere along the Carlos Dunlap type of contract, the one-year $3 million. He gets 5.5 up to 7.5. I, I get it. And, and he was going to be the Dunlap role. I mean, we'll see. Early in the year, maybe Frank Clark would have got more run with FAU being a rookie and what's going to happen with Charles Amina, who, right, who, who, who knows how that's going to officially play out. So maybe Frank Clark would have gotten some more run early in the year. But again, you can't blame Frank Clark for basically getting double what he was going to receive here in Kansas City. Chris Jones, end of the day, I think understands the value of this organization, his legacy, and he seems like a dude who does want to win. He didn't hold out when he could have his first time around. I don't think he does this time. I think a deal gets done and you're probably looking around anywhere from three to four years and I'm going to say 26 mil per year is probably about the the number I'm looking at. If Quinn Williams gets 25, you're probably looking at 26 per year. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about the probably closer to the 24, 25 range, kind of before this offseason and all the the corresponding dominoes. And I don't have the the average annual value charts up ahead of me, but uh, or in front of me. But I do think also I, I think average annual value matters, but in a lot of ways that ends up being kind of the 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 vanity number 
out of a contract, right? Like you're going to hear a lot of average annual values or that last year's $900 million. Like, wait a second, how does that work? That doesn't seem possible because it's not guaranteed. And so I think, I think for Chris Jones, what will ultimately be the case, and again, I don't even actually know what this number would be right now, but I think that he'll end up having, will he end up having the most guaranteed money in a, in a single deal for a defensive tackle? I think he could, because I don't know what, what Aaron Donald ended up being, but it wouldn't have been as high because it wasn't, as long of a deal at that age, I think. So I'm going to do some Googling. So I know Jeffrey Simmons was the highest AAV outside of Aaron Donald for a, because I've actually looked this up for a good amount, do this exact same conversation. He was at 23.5 AAV, right? Jeffrey Simmons. We expect Quentin Williams to surpass that. We're Mm -hmm. probably looking at 24 to 25. That's my best estimation for Quentin Williams. And then I expect Chris Jones to just, just surpassed that. And that's the number of 26 million I came to. End of the day, 24 to 28 isn't that big of a deal. The Chief will find a way around it. Chris Jones, you have to keep. If you're like, I'll give Chris Jones 25, but I'm not going 26 and he walks, you're going to look back and say, no, no, no. Come on now. Chris Jones on this defensive line is making this defensive line second in sacks last year, a good pressure rate. You take Chris Jones off. What is this defensive line? Average at best. At best. At best. At best. And, and that that to me is part of it, right? When you when you start kind of ticking around a million or two dollars per year, you go, well, this starts to feel really silly. Like, how where are we going to draw this line, right? But I think what that's what ultimately matters is that you have to have a combination of correctly identifying your elite players. And like we're we're saying nice things about Frank Clark, and I think his legacy in Kansas City will be a good one, um, and rightfully so. Two championships and great playoff runs. God bless him. But they they traded for and and paid Frank Clark to be a blue chip elite edge rusher, and that didn't come to fruition in a regular season. It did in the playoffs, so we're all everyone's happy. But that that's that's what ends up really really punishing you as a team. Eric Berry and Justin Houston injury offset, but injuries made them paid like elite players, and then that contract became an albatross. Right. So all of that to say. Chris Jones is a blue chip elite player. You just want to make sure you're not paying him elite money when the drop off eventually comes. But I think we've got some time on that. And then here on, on Spotrack for guaranteed money at signing Duran Payne is now number one, $55 million guaranteed. 59 of it is practically guaranteed per, per Spotrack's mechanisms here. And then Simmons is at about 48 million guaranteed at signing Aaron Donald's at 46 and a half practical guarantees. Aaron Donald's is at 95. I think that's basically because like they're saying, Hey, we will either pay you or you're, or you will retire, but we're not going to cut you. I guess. I don't know the, the, uh, every intricacy of, of that deal, but um, most of it's up at this point, I think. Right. Yeah. And then Dexter Lawrence has $60 million in practically guaranteed money. So that, that to me would be my guess. Whatever the AAV ends up being in the structure will be fascinating but but my my new take here revealed exclusively first and foremost on the Arrowhead Attic podcast is that I think I think Chris Jones sets a uh, a guaranteed at signing record for defensive tackles, um, and I think the Chiefs should be tickled to give it to him. Hey, I'll give you the Sterling Holmes endorsement, baby. I'll stamp it. There's a stamp of approval. Stamp me the JB and SH stamp of approval. Uh, I think we can rebrand that, but I, I still like it. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll figure something out. That's really too long. Well, come on. It's you and me. Of course, it's going to be long worded. The Brisk Holmes it- <laughs> stamp of endorsement. Um, KCDC, you're saying 26 on a one-year deal. No, no, no. I was saying 26 AAV on a three- or four-year deal. So probably a four-year deal with a, the Chiefs having an out after three would be the most likely situation. 
The other funky thing here is that this isn't a case with a, like a lot of other contracts where you're giving a long-term deal to a guy who's got like a $4 million cap hit in the first year of it. And so, you know, you got to backload it. Chris Jones is holding up $28 million in cap space this year. Um, I, I saw that comment also, and they, they could still backload it, right? Like they, they could still say, we're going to have more money now because any money they don't spend this year will roll over. And so I don't know that there's a, a logic to like, yes, we want to pay $25 million of it now and have lower cap hits the rest of the way because that's what restructuring is for and prorated bonuses. And we could do a month long show on little salary <laughs> cap intricacies, but. And a lot of it is how much does Clark Hunt want to actually front? How much is he right. saying, let me pull it out of my Scrooge McDuckian vault and yes. say, hey, we're paying this now versus later. Yes. And and so the money will, and, and the guaranteed money that will go into escrow, that's out of the, the vault right away. And the prorated signing bonus is out of the vault right away and going straight to them in cash. So um, it's just kind of interesting that the cheap, this is not a situation where they would have to backload it. They could pay him $25 million in 2023, 24, and 25 if, if that ends up being the deal, right? And kind of smoothing that out some and, and get a little space. Or they could backload it. They could pay nearly 30 this year if they want. I don't think they will. I think, I think they'll backload it. But it is a little bit more flexibility from Jeep. I, I always love the, the the prime Frank Clark and Denver jokes. They're always great. Good news is Denver doesn't play in the postseason, so they'll never see prime Frank Clark. Uh, I love that. I love that. It's a good joke. What do you make of Frank Clark going to the Broncos? I was surprised and not necessarily surprised that he chose. I mean, yes, I'm surprised he chose the Broncos because he does seem like a big Chiefs guy, right? Like, you know, some players like Judas Smith-Schuster didn't really have that loyalty to Kansas City. It felt like sure. Frank Clark had a little bit of that. Hey, I love Kansas City. I want to be here. It. Yeah. And so that was surprising. He or he went to a AFC rival, the Broncos, although are they a rival if they haven't beaten the Chiefs since 2015. Uh, yeah, that was the last time the Royals won the World Series. Think how long ago that was. Crazy. But I also thought maybe that was the best contract he was going to receive. I was still thinking maybe a team. I kept saying a team in Florida. Other than a team like Jacksonville, who is trying to get that playoff DNA, right? They won a game last in the playoffs in a bad division. They're probably going to get the playoffs again this year. Do they want that playoff performer on their team? Um, does Miami... They already went after Tyree Kill. Do they want another veteran piece? Were they going to offer a two-year, $12 million deal? I thought that might be in the range for Frank Clark, but he chose a one-year, $5.5 million guaranteed deal with Denver. What's your overall takeaway on this? I think it makes a ton of sense for a lot of reasons. First, to this idea that Frank Clark had some like chief-for-life kind of DNA going on. If you haven't heard the clips from, from him on Josina Anderson's podcast talking about the decision, everything that went into it, he, he talked about how Andy Reid will forever be his coach. Like we, we've heard little bits of those stories over the years of, you know, both of them being LA guys and, and the things they've been able to connect over is as men, you know, football and otherwise. And we've, we've always heard that and it always means a little bit, right. But, but hearing it on the way out when you're no longer incentivized to say things like that, because everyone, everyone's that way. Right. I mean, like we were talking earlier about the hometown discount thing. And if anyone watching right now, if your boss walked in and was like, do you want to be at this company for the next 10 years? And you say, no, no one's, no one's saying that. No, even if it's very true, no one's saying that. But so for Frank Clark to, to be out of the building and saying all the stuff that he did about the, the culture, the conversations, the honest and mature conversations he was having with Brett Veach, the, the honest and mature conversations he and, and Andy Reid were sharing, there, the, the mutual respect there is really not just real, but, but like 
tangible, like almost obvious when you when you listen to him talk. So that to me was just meaningful because I think it's actually I think it's it's actually maybe the best little window we've seen into what makes the Chiefs front office successful, the coaching staff, all of that. Uh, we, we very rarely get that kind of, of honest little peek in. So I, I appreciated that from him. Yeah. In terms I, of the deal. Go ahead. I was going to say, when we look back on Frank Clark, too, it, it's such a fascinating story. And I talked about it with Adam Best on the podcast. I think it was last Wednesday. We said, who's going to be remembered more fondly as a chief? Not their careers. It was Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark. Now, mm. I, I was Tyron Matthews, the better player. There's no denying Tyron Matthews is a better player. Wow. And, but when, and I, I pretty instantly went, oh, Frank Clark, for sure. And I don't know if that's true or not. That's a good question. I said Frank Clark, and I was pretty adamant. I said, when you look at those videos 20 years from now, those hype videos, right, who are you going to see? Tyron Matthew, who had two great years here, two phenomenal years here, and one average year here, or Frank Clark, who was average during the regular season at best, but then turned it on in the playoffs. You're going to see Frank Clark on the, on the big screen at Arrowhead, sacking someone to end the game. That's what you're going to see in a playoff game. Fairly or unfairly, Tyron Matthew has one ring. And currently, in an absolute fit of lunacy, I can say, having one ring does not make you special in Chiefs modern history. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Juju, that's great and all. It's crazy, though. But think about that. (laughs) Think about how crazy that is. And, And that's what's so funny to me is Tyron Matthew's the better player. But Frank Clark's the guy who will be remembered more fondly in Chiefs Kingdom. And I do think right now in this moment, it's really easy to get up and say, well, that may be too soon. Or, you know, Frank Clark, does his legacy get tarnished at all going to Denver? But I don't think so. Absolutely I mean, not. They, here, so, OK, I'm going to dive back in on the contract and on this idea of how much loyalty does, does he demand? Frank Clark got cut by the Chiefs. I think there's a ton of respect in that relationship. I think that they they all love each other and that Frank Clark will eventually come back and and be a Chiefs Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor. Like I I really think he's going to end up getting that treatment uh, to some extent. I don't know if it's going to be the the highest levels of of Chiefs honorifics, but but he will retire a Chief perhaps even, right? I think there's a chance of that. The Chiefs cut him. The Chiefs fired Frank Clark. And then the rival paper company, you got fired from Dunder Mifflin and now Staples comes calling and is offering you five and a half million dollars guaranteed for one year of your service. Frank Clark would have been a fool not to take that deal. This is that, that, that stuff. And and I'm really actually just really burnt by people who hold this against Jamal Charles. That's really where this anger is coming from. (laughs) Jamal Charles was told he was done. They said, thank you for your legendary hall of fame run here. Yes. Jamal Charles should be in the hall. Yes. Thanks for your service goodbye your your knees are shot whatever and jamal wasn't ready to be done yet so he took the best offer that was out there and it was the broncos oh but he said it was a great organization yeah because you say nice things about the people who give you chances that's a reasonable way to live your life so anyway all of that to say not only is it five and a half million dollars guaranteed probably a good three and a half four million dollars more than the chiefs would have offered I, i would guess almost certainly the best offer he had on the table and even as he said all that stuff about Andy Reid, Andy Reid's going to be my coach forever, all of this. The coach he had before was Pete Carroll, a bona fide, really good NFL head coach. Been doing it for a long time. Hear a lot of respect from players to him. It seems like his most strained relationship might be with Russell Wilson. And now he's, he's not going to Nathaniel Hackett's team. He's going to Sean Payton's team. There is something there. You've got it. You, I, and I know that Chiefs fans have... have grown up hating the Broncos and the Raiders and to some extent the Chargers. And I love that. It's great. Rivalries are awesome for sports. I'm, I am enjoying Chiefs Bengals as a budding rivalry where there's a little bit of in in both ways. I think it's awesome. But Frank Clark did not 
They offered him the most money and it will be a good environment with, with Sean Payton in charge. It's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be some total dysfunctional bleep show that, that derails the, the end of his career in the muck. It, even if Russ stinks again, it'll be fine to be there. So no, I, please, no one, no one should hold going to the Broncos against Frank Clark. If he would have, if he would have said chiefs and Broncos made me the exact same offers. And I went to Denver because I want to hit Patrick Mahomes and screw that guy and screw the chiefs and screw everything about him. Then we'd be having a different conversation, but that's not what I've seen. Richard. Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, look, I, I'm not, if, if the Broncos want to pay me five and a half million dollars to get blocked by Joe Tooney all day or whatever, I'll take it. It'll be, I mean, you know, I will perish. I'll be on the IR for, um, ever after that, but you know, I can, Juan Taylor can block me into dust. That's fine. Uh, so here's from Pete Sweeney, the chiefs mandatory minicamp day one roster report. The update here was Chris Jones, Turk warden. Cause it was ACL. Yeah. They were not present. Uh, I saw, or according to him, Blake bell, McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco because of off season surgery and Trey Smith were not there. Um, it did look like Mike Edwards, McDuffie, and LeJarrius Sneed were present, but without helmets. Trey Smith those- is the only one that is a little weird to me because I just don't think I've got any other context for him not being there. That was just what I saw from Pete Sweeney. Um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of that was earlier today, so we may have more of an update, but that's what I saw most recently. So I interrupted you before you. I think we're going to ask a question as I want to do. I don't know, man. You and I just talk a lot. It's kind yeah. of what we do. I was waiting to hear about McDuffie because he had been out. So it sounds like he's present. We knew the running backs. So that makes sense. Which also, you want to you want to pivot to a different a different little interesting topic, Stu? Because something interesting happened. I would happened love today. to. I would love to. Today, we heard from Clyde edwards Lair at the podium for the first time in a really long time. He was out there. We, we carried it on 810. And you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, off-season surgery. And it's, for him, it's just about getting healthy, hopefully, for training camp. Jerick McKinnon um, has been on the injury report with one thing or another since 1997 and is an Iron Man, but that is an ongoing issue, right? Um, don't spit your water out there, man. Gotta, you gotta, you gotta, thank you. You've got electrical equipment in front of you. You can't go spewing. And, uh, and, and Clyde, for all of the conversations, and I, I am going to divorce myself from the first-round conversations and, and chats we had in 2020, at this point, you just got married. Sorry, no divorce. to say divorce. I'm just sorry. Gonna go ahead and say it. Yeah, no, Renee, that's a, come on. No, I I appreciate that. That's a good. That's a, a really useful note. But but even if the Chiefs were to trade Clyde for you know some sort of conditional draft pick, they could trade him and free up a couple million dollars per per over the cap and uh, and and eat about one and a half million dead. If they were going to cut him outright, they'd save like less than a million and eat more than two and a half. Clyde edwards Hilaire has some value to the Chiefs this year. And I think that's a, it, it's weird for me to feel like the only person saying that, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> he, he, um, he, you remember the, uh, the thing that Patrick Mahomes did where he was like running around for a long time and then like spun around and kind of just yeeted it right into the end zone. And there was a guy wearing number 25 who caught that touchdown and um, actually like had quite a few relevant big plays for the Chiefs last year, especially early on, kind of a touchdown machine does know the offense still, despite not having outrageous physical tools. Like we could, we're at a point now where it's obvious that yeah, that's a, not a great first round pick. And the process that led you there was not good either. But right now the like anti-Clyde hysteria is kind of wild. He, he should be on this team. Um, and if Prince ends up taking a, a larger role, that's fine. They can carry four running backs. They don't have a fullback on the roster right now. 
Biden knows where to be. Like, I think there's some value there. Some, at least. It's hilarious because you and I were king of why the hell are you drafted a running back? We talked about it. I still got to get tased. I still got to get tased because I was so confident the Chiefs wouldn't do something so foolish. Yeah, so Briscoe still has to get tased by Seth Kaiser, if I'm not mistaken, who was the guy that told me to eat a cinnamon roll at your wedding before uh, the wedding actually happened. Uh, And it got got me in trouble. But Thanks, Kyle. I'm reading the comments. So thank you. Yes, Clyde should be RB1. But but you and I we're on the forefront of don't draft a running back in the first round. We're yeah, on the forefront. We, we, we tried so hard to let people know that's not going to happen, guys. It's silly. There's no such thing as a luxury pick in the NFL. Right. But now we're also reasonable enough to say, hey, horrible pick, but it's a sunk cost. Yeah. He's on your roster. If he's your third running back on your team, that's not an issue. If he's ahead of even Jerick McKinnon because you're saving McKinnon for games that matter or the playoffs, that's also fine. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is not going to run the ball on every single first and second down for Kansas City this year. You need other guys. I, I've also said I, I love this take, and I hope hopefully you agree with me. It's great when you have Christian McCaffrey, but does he make that much of a difference? One guy over having three or four guys who put up the same amount of stats, but it's spread out over three or four dudes. Because that's basically what the Chiefs did last year, was they don't have a bell cow, but they get to the same overall total numbers. And that's what really matters, because just because you have one guy do it, you still have roster spots taken up. You're not saving ro- – there's no one – you still have three running backs on San Francisco. It's not just McCaffrey and then, all right, that's two spots taken up now by a wide receiver and offensive lineman. That's not the case. They're still on your team. And- you just have one guy carrying the rock. One one little argument to to I guess to the contrary that I, I found kind of interesting at least is the value of having a running back who can be on the field no matter the circumstances just from like a personnel standpoint right like the the idea that this was the pitch originally with Clyde he can run the ball in first and second down and he'll be the a deadly third down back and all that and like Christian McCaffrey fits that bill right the the issue even when you have the elite of the elite and the outlier of the outlier injuries still happen and the Panthers offense didn't get any worse when he got traded. You saw a little bit of a burst from the Niners who are such a weird outlier that I have a hard time evaluating them um, just in general. But like the Vikings just cut Dalvin Cook. His contract was the last yeah. one that was supposed to be different, right? So anyway, I, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And then you find out like, oh, when Dalvin Cook is hurt, our next three guys here can produce similarly where there's a fine margin of difference between the the at least the fourth running back in football and the 25th and, and maybe some of those top few guys can at a varying time matter um be a needle mover on their own but it's really rare and even that window is very short so yeah i'm i'm with you on all of that and uh and, and like uh like ronald says pacheco mckinnon and ceh plus prince good for this year i, I think that's a really good running back stable and, and frankly i would rather have four guys that i i feel like have some roles they can play and can be really beneficial Rather than one, you're putting all your eggs in because unless that guy magically doesn't ever get hurt, you're, you're going to have to see running backs two, three, and four very, very soon. Yeah, and I do think four running backs are most likely going to make the roster because you're going to have Isaiah and Jarek. I think Clyde, as you mentioned, based on the contract, is going to be here, and they keep talking about Prince like Niall Davis. Yeah. That's a return man. That, that, that's your, your kickoff returner, and that makes a lot of sense to me. So you're probably going to see the crunch game is going to be fascinating in training camp though, because like there are like nine receivers that you could make an argument for having a spot. A few of them are locks, obviously Amir Smith, four running says. backs four four tight ends. 
I'm not here to, to slander Amir Smith Marset. I'm not. If, sl- my, my point is, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting excited because I think Amir Smith Marset season might be in effect. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you just you got a lot of skill position guys here that um, makes me wish that the the roster went like sixty deep. Yeah, it's gonna be weird. Uh, this cut down season. Well, let's talk about the wide receivers just just quickly. You and I were at a very cool event. We were at Marquez Valdez Scantling softball charity event for Humble Beginnings, uh, giving back to the community. Really cool. Uh, First and foremost, I just want to give him a shout out and give Chiefs Kingdom a shout out. They raised over $200,000. They raised over $200,000 for a charity softball event, not for Patrick Mahomes. Not for Travis Kelsey, not for Chris Jones, not your big name guys. I mean, think about that. They, everyone showed up, what, six to 7,000 folk for Marquez Valdez Scantling. No, it's not like I'm trying to take a shot at him right now, but I'm trying to show how cool Chiefs Kingdom and how much impact they really have. Do you think, for example, the Giants, do you think Giants fans are showing up for um, Canarias Tonys? <laughs> well, but, but, let's just say like Darius Slayton. Right. Do, do, yeah. you, do you no, think the Rams were going to show up for Allen Robinson? No, no, no. I, I, this is his second year here in Kansas City. Right. No, I think your point is a great one. I was just checking. It looks like capacity for baseball is about 6,500. And I think there were some people just standing by the end of it. So I, I think it was absolutely in that six or 7,000 range. Uh, and no, no, you're, you are right. A, a, a huge portion of the team turned out, which was certainly good. Patrick Mahomes being there certainly helped. But no, I mean, if, if you went around most of the NFL and you said, and I guess right now in some form or fashion, MVS would be the chief's number one receiver, but that's not really last year. He would have been pass catching option number three. Right. And and then you yeah. can kind of expand beyond that. But if you went around most of the rest of the NFL and you said, Hey, the, the third pass catcher on this team is going to have an event like this and a bunch of the team's going to be there, but are they all good? How, how many people are going to come out for that? And I know we're taking shots at, at this city at the moment. Maybe, maybe Cincinnati, who has a ton of energy right now, and Joe Burrow has that star power, and that it's T. Higgins's uh, charity softball event. M- maybe, maybe. But what what Kansas City did just in that that one relatively small example of this being a, a fundamental truth, totally embraced it. Totally embraced him. And, and just said, you know, we, we are not yet completely done celebrating how great this this championship team has been. We're excited for 2023. And, and Kansas City just likes supporting not just winners, but the teams and, and players that put energy back into the city. Like not to take a pot shot at the Royals right now, but when the Royals were, were on the, the, the path to back-to-back World Series births, you were you were seeing a, a blue Royals hat. That blue and white KC was was every step along the city, and in these recent years, as they have kind of fallen to at this point borderline irrelevance, to be harsh um, and maybe kind, the the Chiefs are the heartbeat of the city in so many ways that, that fans are excited to have a chance to watch them play softball, mostly pretty poorly. Like that's that's awesome. Uh, fallen is a very kind word for what's gone on with uh, the Royals fallen. Um, that that's about as nice as you can put it, but no. And I think it's a good point. Chiefs fans and chiefs kingdom. They're very giving. They're very supportive. I think even of other teams, even like Casey DC says, I'll be willing to wager. I don't know if 90% did, but a lot of chiefs kingdom gave at least 13 bucks to Allen's charity. Remember when that right. was going on? Yes. Like you, you might have a rivalry, a rivalry with teams. 
end of the day, Chiefs fans seemingly give back more than others. And I don't know there's a study that's been done on this, but it does seem, and maybe it's the Midwest. I mean, fr- frankly, some of it might be just the Midwest. I think there's a lot of good people. Um, and I, I do think in a lot of cases, sports bring that out from, from various spots, it, geographically or, or whatever it may be. Um, when you, when you to use the bills again, you think about everything that surrounded DeMar Hamlin, that was just, you know, terror that everyone witnessed all together watching Monday night football together to, to what fan base in, in, in the NFL was more scared and more excited for the beginning and end of Alex Smith's story and, and everything else that, that came with that. I mean, Chiefs fans were, were live tweeting through the E60 kind of telling that story like it was a game because everyone was really invested in Alex Smith's health. And, and we all got to see how bad it got before it got better. I mean, there is there has just been again, I that that's why I kind of end up, I think, just stumbling into the idea of of teams and things that put energy back into the city because it because it really does sort of pull at those communal strings that, that tie all of us together and it, it is simultaneously sometimes uh, the the corniest thing you can say about sports but i think a lot more often it's the most important thing you can say about sports everybody can watch you know their favorite golfer or tennis player or whatever alone in their basement and and keep it all to themselves and you can enjoy the competition but being able to connect with everybody else um that, that's really where it comes from Going back to the event itself, you can see it with the players, how excited they were. Can I, the nat- can I cross promo something for you, for us both here real quick? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Of course, man. Uh, the, the full show that we did, the entire uh, Josh and Stu live from MVS's charity softball game, that whole show is published now on the Almost Entirely Sports podcast page. That's largely been kind of a catch-all for some things since I moved from nights to the uh, the waking hours with The Zone, but the, the Almost Entirely Sports podcast page um, has that full like hour and a half show that is just as much, if not more, Creed Humphrey and George Karloftis and Trey Smith than it is me and Sterling. Um, but I would I would encourage you to check that out. I, I've tweeted it. I, I can go tweet it again after the show or something too. But it's it was really really weird in a really delightful way. But, but don't listen the, to it now. Wait until we're done with this show first. Yeah, wait because it's, it's it's awesome. But but the players are so generous. They're so fun, and you can tell there's an excitement around. You saw Willie Gay Jr. when the national anthem was going on, and the home of the Chiefs came down. I'm not trying to get into whether you think that what people's thoughts are about that actual situation, but Willie Gay Jr. was throwing his hands up and trying to get everyone going. I mean, you could just see the emotion. And I had a chance to talk with Rasheed Rice. Uh, the, the the Chiefs rookie wide receiver. And I asked him, I go, did you have any idea that that was coming on? That home of the Chiefs. Oh, you have yeah. any? And he goes, man, I had no idea. That was incredible. Just the, just, just the, the fun and the excitement and the emotion. And I told him, I said, look behind you. That's 7,000. Get ready for 10 times that. Yeah. He goes, I can't wait for Thursday. He <laughs> goes, he can't wait for, for the NFL opener. He goes, He's never experienced anything like that, right? You know, going from SMU now to the NFL, and I was just talking, a lot of these young rookies, they're not, I don't say jaded, but when you've been around the NFL a long time, you get used to all this stuff. Yeah, You get used to being a celebrity. These young players, they're like, you want to talk to me on radio? You want to talk to me? You know, Mahomes is over there. Like, it's a really cool experience for these guys. You can just see the emotion. Just, he was, I've never seen someone more excited for the NFL season to start just to show what he can do. I said, are you going to be nervous? He goes, first play, probably yes. After that, it's football. But that first play and seeing everything around, it's going to be crazy. 
It's amazing. And I mean, uh, a similar vein, slightly different way we got there. But when we were talking to Sky Moore, I said, hey, like, I want to get like one serious football question. in." I mean, you're going into year two, like Andy Reid's offense is notoriously difficult for rookies to to really get their their, their hands on in, in year one. And how difficult does it come with that? So so what was that adjustment like and, and where are you at heading into this year? He said, look, it just adjusting to the NFL is one thing. And I was coming from the Mac. <laughs> like It is a big jump to go from the Mac to Andy Reed's offense. And so I just, for Rasheed Rice, I'm keeping my expectations very, very tempered for him this rookie season, just like I did for Sky Moore last year. It was really a healthy thing to do. I, I would recommend it to anybody. Um, if you get pleasantly surprised by a rookie, fantastic. But the Chiefs don't need to wait for Rasheed Rice to like become the guy for their offense to be good, which is a great place to be in. Um, and, and to see that excitement come through is, uh, is really, really cool. I don't, I don't, were you guys off to the side on that or did that, uh, he sat down. I, I can't remember. I must, was, have, I must have handed off the headset folks. We were throwing equipment around this whole show. So I missed that interaction, despite the fact that we were hosting that show together. There, there was some random wildness going on. I, I never spoke game. to Rasheed Rice. I don't know where I was. Yeah. I was, so I might've been player, talking to Noah Gray. I don't play, know. Players were coming and going, uh, during the show, we started it. George Karloftis wouldn't leave. And it was incredible. George Karloftis is from Greece. Obviously he'd never played baseball or softball before in his life. And so we were rotating through players every few minutes. You'd sit down for a couple minutes. They'd move on. Someone else would come up. Well, George Karloff is after my first goodbye. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to hang four out minute, a little longer. Okay. I checked this yesterday. The four-minute mark of the show, you're like, George, thanks so much. Yeah, go, go said, out there. He said, he said, you're going to have to make me or something like I'm that? I'm not going back out there. Yeah, he goes, I'm not going back out there. And when he says that, I go, all right, well, I'm not going to fight you, George. So George Karloff just hung out for the entire first segment, which was I think 30 was minutes the, long. I, was, I think it was like the 24-minute mark that he finally was like, all right, I'm going to get my heads at the sky. I think it's so, where he handed it off to maybe. Carl Loftus was there for a long time. And then Creed Humphrey came out and was talking. And Carl Loftus begrudgingly said that Creed Humphrey is kind of a strong man, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. was there. But it was just a lot of fun that you and I had. Marquez, you know, came by for a little bit. Um, you said you have a Twitter photo. Richard, if you want to put that on the screen, if you are able to. Yes. There's Willie Gay Jr. on the, the left. smallest because for me, I, I don't know how big Willie Gay actually is, but he was he was the guy who I think I was most like alarmed by the size of. Think of a linebacker and think how quick Willie Gay Jr. moves. Yeah, look at Briscoe and me. Look at our size, and that dude moves. We're a little bit exp- behind him. We're a little bit behind <laughs> a little him. Bit, a little bit, but exponentially quicker than me. But when Creed Humphrey, Carl Loftus, and Willie Gay Jr. come over and say, "Hey." One. We we want to do a show. Uh, those guys are doing a show. <laughs> Sorry, is Willie Gay actually only listed at six one? Because you could have told me he was six seven nine hundred of you know carved marble. I'm like, yeah, that that seems checks about out. right. Yeah, he, made, he made me feel very small. You would say seems low. Seems a little seems bit low. low. Uh, by the way, with Sky Moore, just to put it into perspective again, we always talk about his hands. Did give him a handshake. Oh, and I wow, did. He's got some Johnny Benji in size size mitts, man. Big mitts. Oh, dude, those things are huge. They, I have pretty big hands. I got the Joe Burrow hands. They're nine inches, right? They're, we got a full on nine over here. Yeah, you heard me, Briscoe. Full on nine over here. So, do I get to ask that things get clipped from this? Because <laughs> anyone wants to cut that and tweet it out later. Sterling, uh, to have a full nine over here, but. 
it just these guys it's so enjoyable to be around and i don't think you see it with every single team i don't think you see the excitement i don't think you see the support i don't think you see it with every single team and i do think there's something special about chiefs kingdom and this chiefs team i agree 100 percent. i i also think it's a little bit of the ouroboros the snake eating its own tail because patrick mahomes brings a whole other energy and then Travis Kelsey and his star rising in part like hand in hand with his brother to the point that he's hosting SNL coincides with with the energy that, that fans bring to the team. And then the rest of the team finds that energy, sees that energy from the fan base. And then the fan base gives it back to those guys as well. And it just becomes this cycle of of good energy, incredible support and all of the passion that comes with this fan base. It, it really is awesome. So a couple of quick things when it comes to the Chiefs. And it also OTAs. hasn't been that toxic in a while. I feel like Chiefs, I don't want to jinx it. Let me knock on some wood, but I feel like it's been a while since we had a really toxic stretch for like well, Chiefs Twitter or anything. Well, some, the players too, to an extent, have stopped coming at the fans, which also I think helps a little bit too. That's probably a little bit of a two-way street. It's probably uh, a little bit of a two-way street. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Good point. I, I want to point out too, we talk about OTAs a lot and we understand Andy Reid does it old school and it's really difficult and it's, it's different than the rest of the NFL. So I talked to Richie James about that, which was cool for me since I was the, the big Richie James supporter before he came here, asked him about OTAs. I'm like, Hey man, what is it like for you? And he's like, it is old school. It is different. It, but he goes, if, if it helps win a ring, I'm all for it. Cause Richie James has been in New York with the giants he was in San Fran with the 49ers. So he's been in some good organizations, but also some big cities. And I asked him, what's the biggest difference coming to Kansas City from East Coast, West Coast, now in the heartland? He goes, slower pace of life. lot slower here, baby. But he seemed very excited to be here. Uh, he's now a veteran. If you look at some of the numbers last season, Richie James is now a veteran. And he's like, I'm ready to take that next step. Marquez Valdez-Scantling said, I'm now a veteran. I learned from Devontae Adams. I learned from Randall Cobb. I'm ready to take that next step. It, it, it's funny watching these young guys, maybe some unsung players. Now these dudes are the veterans in the locker room. George Karloff, just for example, he's kind of now a veteran. I mean, you look at this offensive or defensive line, there's a lot of young players on. You look at the offensive line, Creed Humphrey, he's now a veteran in the NFL. Speaking with Karloff as well, we, we brought up, Steve Spagnuolo, because I wanted to, I tried phrasing it very delicately. But You nailed this one. Thank you. And I, I, I tried to bring it very delicately. I said, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans, they have little issues with Spagnolo early in the game. We know he's great in the playoffs. We know he's great in the second half. But is there a little bit of, is it like a boxer trying to figure out an opponent? You know, you know, first half, you're trying to see what they have. You're just trying to see what they're going to do. But then second half, you, you, you take it to the locker room. You see what they've done and to use it against him. And he said, you know what? There actually is something to that. You saw it in the playoffs. You saw it against, I think, Tennessee before. I, I found it fascinating that – I don't know if he's necessarily saying that's what happens, but that he, an actual player, kind of goes, you know what? There might be a little something to that. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I mean, yeah, it was just to, to have Karloff this kind of just like, yeah, that, that makes some sense to me. Um, it, it, I, I don't think it's necessarily an analogy Spags has used because just the nature of, you know – Karloff is kind of letting it sink in and go, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think so. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's fascinating. Um, and then he also went on to talk about, you know, you asked about Joe Colin and um, the relationship there and what, what that brought for him. 
frankly, at this point, maybe it's because of Aminahue and, and certainly FAU being the, the first round draft pick and um, continuing to kind of bolster that position. We've talked about Frank Clark and all. George Karloftis is probably the guy we should be talking about a little bit more just in terms of his growth continuing. Um, maybe just from like, you know, the standards of bendiness and all of that, he might not have the, the I guess, intergalactic ceiling of the absolute elite bendy edge rushers. But he got better as last year went on and he played from the very beginning. Like the Chiefs relied on him, seemed pretty happy to rely on him and, and he never proved their faith wrong. So I think just, maybe it'll just be these sort of steps at a time. He got asked today in his presser uh, about uh, working with Tom Bahali, which did make me briefly furious at Friday, Josh, who for not thinking about asking about that, because I talked to Tomba about all of that, <laughs> like, like a year and a half ago. It would have been a nice time to bring the whatever. Um, I knew they had they'd been working out. We saw those videos. Dumbass. Um, I mean, you were there too. So one of us could have one of us could have gone to the Tombo well. We both failed. We dumbass. We dumbass. Um, but like even even that kind of stuff. If if he just like if he is improving his game by ten percent every off season or or you know then five more as the year goes on or whatever it is, there there's still real growth potential for him, and I think he's going to be a really nice player. Yeah, that's the guy I keep pointing to is it's not Rasheed Rice and it's not FAU. I keep pointing to Sky Moore and George Karloft as, as the two guys uh, on the respective side of the balls to take the next step. I keep saying Sky Moore, I think he leads this Chiefs team at receiver, not Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey, he's excluded from this. Oh, you guys, gonna, you, okay, finish this take. Let me hear this take again. Sky Moore has the most receptions outside of Travis Kelsey on this team. I think Sky Moore gets a lot of those underneath routes. I think they're going to try and use him. I keep, and maybe I'm completely wrong and, and misguided here. He reminds me so much of Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. He's mm. the safety check down guy, a uh, very good intermediate route runner. Uh, he's going to get open because he is a great route runner. He's got great hands. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of drops. I think Sky Moore ends up not with the most yards, not with the most touchdowns from a wide receiver, but most receptions. That's what I'm going with. I'm not going to say it's going to be like 100 plus, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be more than MVS. I think it's going to be more than Rasheed. I think it's going to be more than Kadarius Tony. Uh, obviously less than Travis, but most for a wide receiver. I don't dislike it. I thought you were going to say yards and I was ready to come up with a counterpoint. But I, I think if, if he leads the team, anyone who leads the team in receptions has a great chance, particularly of leading them in, in touchdowns also. And so we'll see where that ends up. But I, I think I think your logic there holds. I, I might need to nitpick a little bit. I might I might need to you know get the graph paper out for my my final preseason predictions. But I I definitely believe in him having a significantly larger role. And and I think the Chiefs would love for him to be a, a souped up possession receiver. I think they'd be tickled with that. So and then when it comes to George Karloft, is I think you're talking double digit sacks. Uh, he had six last year. I think I, you're looking in thrilled with double. I digit think. Sacks. I think you're looking at 9, 10, 11. Nine's only one digit, Sterling. I get, but I think that's, that's the range you're looking at, 9, nine 10, 11-ish. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say double-digit sacks, though. You're right. He was thrust into the starting lineup, basically, as a rookie. And that was why I was so high on Carl Loftus coming out of college, was you could do that with him, and you can trust him to do that. The Chiefs needed a guy. They, they, they truthfully needed a guy. But – I don't think they need FAU early on the same way they needed Carl Loftus last year, which is a good thing. 
Yeah, it's a good thing. But Carl Loftus, as the season progressed, there's about a halfway point in the season where it looked like it just clicked. You see it with edge rushers all the time. You saw it with him. You saw it with Aiden Hutchinson. You saw it with Kayvon Thibodeau, right? It's just typically about a halfway point for edge rushers before it figures it out. I expect the same thing with FAU. That already clicked for George. I think George is going to come out and have a really good year. Uh, maybe the most sacks for an edge rusher on this team. That's probably not a hot take because Chris Jones is going to lead the team, but he's not an edge rusher. FAU's a rookie. Charles, he might be suspended. He might not. We don't know with that uh, ongoing situation. But I'm really high on Carl Loftus this year. Here's a crazy thing also, because you know how much of last year was about all the rookies and newcomers, right? It wasn't just the rookie defensive backs. It was also Justin Reed just got here and all of that. This year, I don't think the number will be zero, but there is a chance that zero starters in week one will have not been on the team the year prior. Defensively. If I said it, did I say it defensively? You didn't. I'm going to say, where's Mahomes and Kelsey going, ass? No, 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 no. <laughs> guys, guys who guys who were on the team last oh, year. were on the team. Zero who were not. Because last year, like half that defensive lineup was totally turned over. And this year, Karloftis, either Derek Nottie or Tershawn Wharton, unless Keandre Coburn takes that job, there's a chance. Chris Jones, Charles Aminahue could start and be new. FAU could start and be new. But if Aminahue is suspended, Mike Dana, your Mike guy, Dana, baby. would absolutely be a starting defensive in week one. And then it's just about the rotation the rest of the way. Not, not really about, you know, who's getting more run or whatever. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton will be your two starting linebackers. Maybe Drew Tranquil is on the field for your start, your opening reps. Um, I, I, Leo Chanel is there from last year also, but we'll see who they end up actually trotting out there. And then Jalen Watson, Brian Cook, Justin Reed, the Jarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams. Those are all guys who were here last year. And and that that was jogged. Did we talk about the the spags, uh, the 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 uh, Justin Reed quote about the, the defense really snapping in after the Bengals game a little bit really late in the season? Mm-hmm. It was his presser last week sometime. And, and it had me thinking about just the the effort that goes into learning a defense and recalibrating all of that for a new unit with new guys. That's not going to be the way this year goes. M- maybe, maybe it's a mini Hugh, Maybe it's Drew Tranquil. Maybe you have two, no more than three guys starting this year who were, who were not in the defense last year. And that's going to make life easier for them, I think. Yeah, I, I keep saying this is going to be the best defense we have seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. I, I just think that the versatility this defense has is outstanding. Uh, Drew Tranquil is going to be the, the wild card. That was the one name I would have given you at least a little bit of pushback on. But again, it might still be Willie Gay Jr. I will say with Drew Tranquil, he was rocking number 23 in a white Chief jersey, and that looked clean, man. Uh, that was a clean-looking jersey. You don't see many linebackers rocking the Jordan number, but he did it and looked damn good. Um, also, shout-out to KCDC Gifting 5 memberships on YouTube. You badass. Thank, Thank you, KCDC. Appreciate that. Um, before we get out of here, just an already. I know. This is the first time I feel like you and I have not wanted to get away from each other quicker. Normally, we're like, all right, dude. Being in separate locations helps. That's true. That's true. You don't get you to see ask my, me Justin Ross question. Is that my how we're going to show? Final dude. I just close my eyes here, Ted Lasso. Fine. Go ahead. I've been hearing so many Justin Ross things. We've been seeing a lot of Justin Ross in the, in the chat. I see Chris Albright talking about Justin Ross. We had one a question earlier talking about Justin Ross. Where are you at at this point? When it comes to Justin. 
That's Briscoe throwing his hands up in the air saying, I don't want to get yelled at by everyone. No, the no, it's really not even that. It's really not even that. And I thank you for, for narrating for the audio only listenership. I just have my arms outstretched. It's kind of a shrug emoji now. You can clip that too. That, that'll be useful, I'm sure, for somebody on Twitter. The hype is great and totally fine. And I am unbothered by it. I am no way whatsoever am I like, oh, we got to slow down this hype train. It's too much. We're having too much fun. It's June. Whatever gets you through June as a football fan, bless you, bless it, take it with you. I, I just think it's a really crowded receiver room. Like there are years where, where he would legitimately be a must-be-on-the-roster type of guy. There would have been years where John Ross would have been the fun name going in the training camp. I get it. I understand the appeal. I think the, the stuff we saw at Clemson was real. I think the skill set is deeply appealing. I think he absolutely has a path to be on the Chiefs roster this year. And then it continues to be about the, the longer development process of it all. I think if he makes the roster, you got to treat him like you would Rasheed Rice. But the problem is how many redshirt rookies are you going to be able to have? If he does not make cutdowns and the Chiefs are able to keep him on the practice squad, they would do it in a heartbeat. I worry that another team might say, we're going to go ahead and take that actual payoff, the shot at the payoff there. We're going to take that from you. But how, do you have a number in mind for how many receivers the Chiefs are probably going to roster? I always say six, but I, I find myself talking myself into seven, and let's, I don't like it. Let's explain why. MVS, Tony, Sky, Rasheed Rice, all 100% on the roster. Four blocks. Justin Watson, just signing him to a deal. There might be a little bit of flexibility, but he got a lot of playing time last year. Richie James, bubble type of guy. No, you say Richie James right now, okay? Don't you dare. I said Richie James, no, bubble no, type no, guy. Not, not, not bubble. Richie James is, is the GOAT. I like um, the rules. <laughs> I know you love him. I'm excited for him. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I think, I think it, personally, in my opinion, I think Richie James and Justin Watson are a little bit in the same category. That's my personal preference. Uh, maybe yeah. you have the affinity for Justin Watson over Richie James. I think Richie James actually brings a little something different uh, than Justin Watson. I think Justin Watson last year, I keep pointing to what MVS did last year. MVS, when his snap share went down, who's went up? It was, it was directly dependent on Justin Watson. So Watson, MVS, their skill set was very similar. I think Richie James brings something different to the equation, as well as uh, a little bit more of a gadget role type of guy as well. I digress. You go on. Well, then you have Justin Ross, John Ross. We're at eight, and that's before you get to Cornell Powell, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, the kind of the rest of the group at that point. But, and this is the the comments are on this too. But like the end of roster battle at wide receiver is, I think, probably the most interesting battle going in the training camp. And I really don't know how it's going to end up. So that my actual take for Justin Ross is that right now he is Schrodinger's wide receiver. He is both on the roster and not. He has both made the team and been cut. It will be about what we see when we actually observe him. And until we observe him, we will not know for sure. Because the other part of it, this is deeply unfortunate, but, but there are three outcomes for, for, for Ross at this point, for Justin Ross. It is make the team, get cut, or on IR. Those are all out there. And if he gets hurt again in camp, they'll IR him and we'll try this thing again next year. If, if he does show that he can be a part of this offense in the next two years at a level beyond Richie James, maybe beyond Justin Watson, but I just think it's going to be really hard for the Chiefs to let go of a guy who they trusted to run some routes last year. If he can jump those guys, I think there's a chance, and he could absolutely be on this team. I just think it's it's still a legitimately difficult path. 
Uh, I love that Ronald said, wow, a physics reference. Yeah, we're not used to having smart people and smart uh, smart takes. On it's the show. technically we're used to a psychology on. reference, I guess, right? I mean, would, would it really be physics? I don't know. That's close enough. I just what about it a compliment. I mean, that to me yeah, is the, the, the height of snootiness. All right, before we get out of here, the last final thing we're going to do, we do a thing called the must list, all right? So you come up with something that you want people to either watch listen or read it's a must list something kind of fun here uh richard get your ass in here boom good to see you fellas hi richard hello Josh. i love your setup i said this before the show also but i'm just really i'm i i'm honestly sick of sterling very into richard yeah i'm sick of sterling too so thank yeah, you i'm sick of me too if i if i could choose one of us it's definitely richard i mean he looks like a guy who would have thrived in the 70s like richard in the 70s would have been what a thing he would have been a record producer guaranteed yeah. the 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 keyboard the keyboard back behind you is is a really, really deeply powerful aesthetic choice. In addition to, I imagine, being used by you. He he would be like, all right, guys, this is a great new band. It's Led Zeppelin. Like, like that's yeah. Richard right now. Yeah. Your kids are going to love it. That's what it means. You're not ready for it yet, but your kids are going to love this. All right, Richard, I'll let you go first. What do you have for this week's must list? All right, I'm going to recommend a show I've been half rewatching and kind of finishing called Animals. Uh, you'll find that on HBO, or as it is now called, Max. Uh, it's a cartoon show about animals that live in New York City, uh, little vignettes, kind of just them living their lives. So you got like a bunch of dogs that live that are hanging out in one of those parks uh, in Central Park, and they're just trying to like plan their Steve McQueen-esque great escape. You know, you got mobs hanging out in front of a nightclub, you know, getting drugged up on the neon lights. It's funny stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's retro scripted, which is a kind of format I like, like the league did that, you know, where you got like improvised dialogue going over a plot. Um, if you just need a cool little cartoon to watch, check out animals. This is the best recommendation I've ever gotten from anybody. I just, I've, I've never seen a, a tidbit of this and I am now on the IMDB page and this feels like it was made for me. I think animals got overshadowed by Bojack. They came out at the exact same time. Mm. So people were watching Bojack. Good show. But Animals was overshadowed and it was uh, it's it's very fun. Just three seasons of like simple, stupid, improvised cartoon comedy. Yeah. Briscoe loves animals. He literally has possums that live with him. That They're not possums with me right now. We had possums for the winter. The There's a real I'm not I don't think I'm going to show my feet on the stream right now because that costs extra. But while uh, while we were on our honeymoon, Renee and I both got pigeon tattoos. So the uh, the aesthetic appeal of animals continues to to get to me. Uh, shout out to Tungsten uh, says Richard always says hi to me. Goose doesn't. So Richard's the king. What's up, Tungsten? Tungsten, I apologize. Hi to you, man. Hey, Tungsten, if I could get second place in your personal power rankings, I would really appreciate it. Shout out to Tungsten. Oh, I'd put me third, maybe even fourth. I, I might even put me fourth. Never go full Rex Ryan. I will keep my feet down here. Unless you want to gift a few more subs, anybody. Uh, all right, Briscoe, what do you have for your must list? I, I unfortunately was was underprepared because I love recommending music to people. Uh, but Renee and I just binged through the first two seasons of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. It was very good. I, I didn't have much in way of expectations, not negatively. I just didn't really know what we were in for. It was really good. And uh, there's a new grandson album out called I Love You, I'm Trying that I listened to a couple of. Uh, couple times through now that's uh, pretty hot and fresh off the presses or at least i just found it it's really good my recommendation just for richard is um joe djo that's the artist name his album decide has uh it was one of my favorite albums of 2022 and um i just feel like there's a pretty good chance that richard's gonna enjoy it i don't know i'm just my just my pitch to rich all right i'll check up i'll check it out joe i'm going led zeppelin too um i just bought the album 
Actually, I took it from my dad because he had three. And I go, we're, we're making an album wall of albums in my living room, which is kind of yeah. neat. So I uh, went and picked up Rumors by Fleetwood Mac from my girlfriend. Uh, she's a big Fleetwood Mac gal. Uh, I'm a Led Zeppelin fella. And I almost picked up Led Zeppelin and Rush, but I don't think she would have been thrilled if I come home with 2112 by Rush instead of Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. So I figured I can choose one. I went with Led Zeppelin 2, um, Whole Lot of Love, Moby Dick as a drummer is absolutely badass. I think Ramble On's on that album as well. Uh, Led Zeppelin 2, that's what I'm going with. I also love that Led Zeppelin just went with Led Zeppelin 1, Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin 3. I think they went Led Zeppelin 4, and then they went with like Coda. They just decided to keep just going with their own name for a while. And I, I, I appreciate that. You eventually got to commit to the Roman numerals. You know, you're under the Super Bowl's problem at 50. It's just a, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm, they went I've also been Zelda. playing the new Zelda game finally. And I'm just not good enough at video games to be very good at that. But I've, I've fin- I have found the fun finally. Mm. Well, Briscoe, this was fun. This was Briscoe, great. We only do I, one hour. Yeah, it was actually an hour and nine minutes. I know you and I, this is... I can only talk in four-hour chunks now, so we're going to have to keep stretching this thing. Mm. All right, so... Uh, um, is there an outro for this, or what you seem really confused <laughs> with? Like, no, I, was saying, gonna, we're gonna, dude. I was saying we're going to talk for four hours. That was my oh, point. Was, I was that's fine. Can I keep recommending music and stuff? I don't... And that's enough time we have today. Arrowhead Attic Podcast, Briscoe, actually. Thank you so hey, much. Hey, the Front man. Bottoms uh, just announced a new tour and album also. That's really exciting. If you want to hear about that, follow him on Twitter at JB Briscoe. Uh, no E. No, no E. e. Yeah. B-R-I-S-C-O. No E. And if you add an E, I'll send you to Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Josh Briscoe, JB Briscoe, uh, you can listen to him on Sports Radio 810 WHB from 10 until 2 with Jason Anderson on The Zone. It's a great radio show. I enjoy coming on every once in a while as well. So make sure you check out Josh Briscoe. Richard is the GOAT producer. He's the man. Best hair and best stash in the game. Yeah. You better believe that pains me to say as Proud a man who takes here. pride in his hair, in his stash, while Briscoe's looking like a 1997 emo band. Yeah, that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. It's a good look. Thank you. Go listen to Sugar Colton 741. But until next time, this is the Airhead Attic Podcast. We are out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.